58th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. With me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York. Going to have a great show today. Going to have my man, Zach Weatherford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach, on the podcast. Going to talk about episodes 9 and 10 of the Jordan documentary. The Last Dance, it finished on Sunday. We're going to talk about it Tuesday, being recorded Tuesday night. Going to release this Wednesday. Can't wait to have Zach on the show. Can't wait to see what he has to say. But here's where I'm going to start for the podcast before I get to Zach. And Zach's going to come on in about 10 to 12 minutes. And here's a couple of my takeaways and my biggest overall takeaway from The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Jerry Krause, everybody talks about Jerry Krause. And you know what the, why everybody criticizes Jerry Krause and, and why it makes me take a, a step back and say, damn, he broke, he wanted to be the guy. And I just want to lay this out for everybody. He rode with the players on the bus, on the team bus, before and after games. He was around the players at practice all the time on the court. He was on the team playing with the players. That's why Scotty and Michael always called him Fat and Crumbs Krause and every other an appropriate name you could probably say to your somebody who's your boss, right? <laughs> so Krause was kind of a little chubby guy. He wanted to be part of the team. He wanted Michael and Scotty and Phil to all accept him. Well, if anybody, if any of you have ever been on a team, I wrestled and played football in co- uh, uh, and wrestled and played football in high school and I wrestled in college. So I know what it's like to be part of a team. You out there, you played sports, whether it be peewee, middle school, high school, college. Maybe some of you played semi-pro or, or professional, right? Or you work, and you work on a team. You have teammates, right? Not one man nor one woman can do it alone. It's a team. In church, you need a team of people, right? In a bank... When you go in a bank and you walk in, you see a bunch of different desks. Why? Because it's a team. The most important thing about a team, particularly in sports, never think you're greater than the sum of the whole. Everybody has a role to play on a team. For the Bulls, Michael's the scorer, and he did it pretty damn well. The greatest scorer of all time. Scott, he had a role. Be the Robin to Michael's Batman. Scotty's the greatest Robin to ever play the game, one of the greatest defenders to ever play the game. Scotty did his job. Phil's job? Be really damn freaking good at coaching. He did that. Phil did that. Managed egos. Kept people motivated. Arguably the greatest coach of all time, 11 rings. Steve Kerr had a job. John Paxson had a job. Shoot. They weren't on the roster because they were going to guard the best team's opposing offensive player, right? That's not why they were on the roster. They weren't on the roster to get rebounds. Steve Kerr and John Paxson were on the roster because they could shoot. Dennis Rodman's job. Rebound, play defense. Not many names, not many people in NBA history did a better job at that than Dennis. Even text winner. It wasn't Phil Jackson who taught the triangle. It was text winner. He's the architect of the triangle. He's the one who taught it. Even text did his freaking damn job. And you want to, and then Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, he has a job. Pay everybody. And you can make an argument whether he did that the best possible way. But hey, everybody got a check. You know what Jerry Krause's job is? To win championships. Jerry, don't think you're bigger than you are. Saying, oh my God, I'm going to rebuild. It's organizations that win championships, not players. No, that's a load of crap. 
You know who says that organization? <laughs> it's like when somebody's like, hey, I'm the coach. The reason we win is because I'm the coach. No. I think if you go to a team, John Calipari, as many one-and-done players as he has, I, I think the first thing he would say is, I'm a product of my players. I think most coaches would say that. Players win the game. Coaches put you in the position, positions to succeed. And it's not that Jerry Krause didn't play a huge role in the Bulls' success. He got Horace Grant. He signed Dennis Rodman. He drafted Scottie Pippen. He brought in Steve Kerr. Jerry Krause did a good job. But be like, oh, I'm going to rebuild so I can prove to everybody how good of a general manager I am. No, bud. That's selfish. That's not how you act on a team. How about Michael say, hey, I know Scotty's the best defender on the team, so you want to know what? Scotty, F you. I'm, and I know you're a better passer and a ball handler, so you know what, Scotty, F you. You know what I'm going to do? How about I just bring the ball up the court every time and I'm the passer? Scotty's like, comes up to Michael. He's like, Michael, listen, I'm only averaging 15 points, bro. How about I average 30? How about Phil's like, hey, text, don't teach the team, don't teach the triangle, we don't need the triangle. No, everybody has a team, everybody has a role to play. Hey, Michael's a billionaire. How about Jerry Reinsdorf comes and say, hey, Mike, you want to pay everybody's salary? I mean, you have the Nike machine. Everybody has a role to play. And everybody played their role and did their role. Some did their role better than others. But the only one who had a problem with their role is Jerry Krause. And that's why, 20 years after the Last Dance documentaries talked about, we still talk about Michael Jordan. We still talk about Scottie Pippen. We still talk about Phil Jackson. We still talk about Steve Kerr. We still talk about Dennis Rodman. We still talk about Horace Grant. You know who we don't talk about? Jerry Crumbs Krause. Because he's the one who forgot. And this also gets me into my next point. And something that people talk about in sports, and one of the most overrated things to say in sports. Jerry Krause is like, Jerry Krause is like let's rebuild. <laughs> right? I want everybody to think for a minute. 98, 97, 98 was Jordan's last year. He retires. Phil leaves. Scotty's traded. Steve's gone. Steve Kerr's gone. Dennis Robbins cut, right? Guess how many games the Bulls win the next year? The lockout shortened year. Instead of going for the fourth straight, the seventh title. Guess how many champion guess, guess guess how many games the Bulls win? Eight. Eight games in a lockout shortened season. I don't know what Jerry Krause's idea of rebuilding is, but even if the team was the eighth seed and lost in the first round, that's better than eight games. Everybody, well, let's play another game. NBA trivia. Ding, ding, ding. The last time the Chicago Bulls were in the finals against the Utah Jazz, 97-98, right? When was the last time the Chicago Bulls, right now it's 2020, when's the last time the Chicago Bulls were in the finals? Not from 2000 to 2010, that's another decade. 2010 to 2020, that's another decade. 20 years. You want to know something crazy? 97-98, the summer of 98, July 12th, I was born. It's about 22 years now. I'm going to be 22 in July. I wasn't even I wasn't even born when the Bulls were in the when the Bulls were last in the finals. That's a lot of life. That's two decades of life for me. Jerry's like, let's rebuild. We can rebuild. No, you know what rebuilding did? You haven't gotten to a final since Jordan, even though you want to rebuild post-Jordan. It's like when somebody... You had a great thing. A great thing was going on in Chicago. Six titles in eight years. Who the hell can say they did that? Besides Russell Celtics. LeBron can't say that. Kobe can't say that. Kevin Durant can't say that. And for God's sake, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson were on the same team for a couple years. And they can't even say that. Shaq can't say that. Magic can't say that. Kareem can't say that. Larry Bird can't say that. 
You have arguably the greatest team ever, and you decide to blow it up. To rebuild. It's, it's like when you're talking to your friend, and you're like, Hey, I'm dating this girl. Super sexy. Fine. She's smart. She's rich. Her parents are educated. She's educated. She's so nice. And then you're like, I want to break up with her. And then you're talking to your friend, and I'm like, why would you break up with her? And your friend tells you, because I think I can do better. And you're like, and, and by the way, your friend's not the best looking dude or the smartest dude. And you're like, uh, bruh, you need to stay with her and wipe her up. She can do a lot better. MJ could have done a lot better. Phil could have done a lot better. Scotty could have done a, a lot better. And for the most part, Phil went on to have success in LA. Phil did do better. Or just as good. Michael had his own success. Steve Kerr went on to still have success. And Jerry Krause is left there holding the bag in Chicago and leaves four years later because he can't rebuild the Bulls, Chicago Bulls team. If your friend told you, I'm breaking up with the perfect girl because I think I could do better, you'd be looking at him like, bruh, you are stupid. And as a matter of fact, when you break up with her, give me her number and I'll, and I'll hit her up. Like, like it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's like, you're at the top of your profession. You're at the top of your profession in any field. Let's say you're president of the United States. You're Donald Trump. And then all of a sudden, Donald Trump's like, you know what? Middle of the presidency. I want to start back from the bottom and work at McDonald's so I can understand how the common person feels. It'd be like something like that and you'd be like, okay, buddy, that's crazy. You're a business tycoon and you're like, how about I give up my whole business and see if I can start another one from scratch? Oh, it's a fun game. No, it doesn't make sense. Championship teams come few and far between. Only one champion is crowned every year in any sport. So when you have something, you write it till it dies. So you see the dead body, you put it in the casket, and you say your piece. You don't get rid of it prematurely. Now, kind of next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, going to have Zach Witherford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach on the show. Kind of next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, we have my man, Zach Witherford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach. How you doing? Doing fine, dear. How about yourself? I'm doing, I'm doing great. Uh, how have you been holding up? Oh, uh, well. Um, under quarantine, under a little lightweight quarantine, you know, staying close to home. So nothing special. Getting a little bored sometimes, but uh, just rolling with the flow, man. Just rolling with the flow. Yeah. Trying to make the trying to make the best out of every day. Yeah, and I believe New York's gonna start opening up a little bit. Well, I'm not in a, I'm not I'm not I'm not in a, I'm not in a hurry to go out there, but I just I I just like to be able to do things when I want to do them. You know, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not really in a hurry. I'm kind of uh, paranoid of, of going out there into all that action. I just, I just, I just wait a little while longer. No, I got you. I, I completely understand it. But what we're going to talk about. Going, I'm definitely not going to football games tonight. Oh, no. Oh, that's a breeding ground. That's a breeding ground. Uh, All right. Let's not do that. But uh, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a little basketball, the Chicago Bulls, the last dance, the last two episodes of the Michael Jordan documentary ended on Sunday. And it starts off in the first episode, in episode nine First episode on Sunday night was 
the rivalry in the games between the Bulls and the Pacers. And for me, as somebody that wasn't born yet, I was actually be born like three to four months later, uh, as it would turn out. But I didn't realize kind of how good those Pacers teams were. So you kind of take us back to that time when the Bulls and Pacers are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, Larry Bird, Larry Bird was the coach, right? Yes. Yeah, Larry Bird was the coach. You know, players are players are a product of uh, of of the Larry Bird system. He had he had wing shooters. He had physical players on the interior. He had people who move without the ball. Uh, very much coachable players. Good bitch. Mark Jackson was a coach on the floor. He had a, he had a nice set, he had a nice setup there. He just ran into a machine that was too much for him. And and uh, Michael Michael had a uh, yeah, as you as you can see after he beat him, he had a he had a little uh, few words to say to Larry after he knocked him off in Game Seven, I think it was. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Game Seven. Uh, that was a black Jesus. I think that was a black Jesus theory. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, Black Jesus theory. Um, you know, uh, Rich Smith. Rich Smith was a was a was a a good offensive weapon as a center. Uh, he he had high the Davis brothers were physical. Uh, good team, good team. Um, uh, Chris Muller's a dead eye shooter. Reggie Miller's a dead eye shooter. Uh, just like I said, they they just uh they as a matter of fact they had a better record in the Bulls. Then they had Mark um, Jackson. Yeah, they had a better record. They had a better record in the Bulls in the regular season. Now that's why they had home court advantage for Game Seven. The Game Seven was in Indiana. Yeah, they had. They had I think Indiana had home court advantage that that year. That's that was that was the that was the final that was the final year of of the last dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of the last dance, Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller was a threat anytime he touched the ball. He he he's a, he was a hell of a player. He was a hell of a player. But um, as, as I watched those as I watched those uh those games, one thing that one thing that I noticed, I don't know if you noticed, you notice the difference in the scores back then as they, as compared to now. Oh yeah, Utah scored fifty four points in a finals game. Oh man, the score—it was just a different brand of basketball, man. It was a half-court brand of basketball. Very few three-point shots, except a few players shot them, and the defense was much better. Rotations, open man, and hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> every, every every game, every game was an inch away from a fight. I mean, it was, the intensity was. It was the, the intensity and, and, the, and, the, and the physicality of the game was like night and day from now. The scores, I just kept looking at those scores, man. Um, I I think, I, I can't remember every score, but I kind of remember. But, but I, just thinking back on the scores, I think, uh, I think like 107 might have been the highest score in, uh, in any of those games. Uh, but most of the games was in the nineties. Most of the Indiana Pacers series was in the nineties. Ninety-three, a little bit, a little bit more, uh, a little, a little bit more, as 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 I said, a, l- a little bit more seasoned. <laughs> you know, they've been there, they've been there before and before and before. And 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 Larry Bird, Larry Bird was a great coach. Uh, for, you know, he had and great veteran players, but somebody didn't step up. Somebody didn't. Somebody didn't step up, and uh, I, I believe. I believe that they played. They played. They, they played peak. They played peak basketball against against the Bulls, and, and it's weird that 
the following you know, the following season they, they they couldn't beat the Knicks. So they, they really they really had they had a different feel for the Bulls, but they couldn't beat the Knicks. I, I, I think they, I think they just were out, they just were outnumbered, outgunned, man. You know, the pace is just the, the Bulls, the Bulls too much, man. I, I, but I feel like people forget, and I even forgot this myself. Larry Bird was a coach, and he was a very good coach. Kwame Brown. <laughs> as a, as a, yeah, oh my goodness. Uh, Bird was successful as a coach. Um, Bird was coached the All-Star team. I think he might be, I don't know if he won coach of the year before, but I the big three Bird ended up being a better um better better basketball coach because he was a fundamentally fundamentally sound player. And so that's that's, that's the type of coach he is. And he, and he was a good executive like as well. Him. I believe he had some successful years as an executive in Indiana as well. Now, when when I mentioned the name Kwame Brown, you said, "Oh my gosh!" Can you just talk about the the, the because my dad always talks about. It. He said Michael Jordan will never live that down. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Kwame Brown uh, drafted out of high school. He just wasn't ready. And uh, if Jordan treated Kwame Brown like he treated his teammates, he destroyed the boys' confidence from day one. If he treated him like he treated his teammates. He was already fragile and and, 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 and timid. Uh, Mike Mike just Mike just crushed his he crushed his his his, uh, his his enthusiasm and his and his and his uh, and his energy to play basketball because it's hard to play perfect ball, man. When you when you play in front of a person that expects perfection, and uh, Kwame Brown wasn't he wasn't he wasn't ready, man. That was that was a disaster. That pick was a disaster. I thought they should have picked Shane Battier. That year, I thought they should have picked Shane Battier. You know, I, um, Shane Battier had it long. He wasn't the greatest player, but he was a team. He was a definitely a he definitely was a team player that that didn't complain and, and, and worked hard. I thought he should have been. I thought um, the Bulls, um, the Wizards, should have taken uh, him. And fun fact, by the way, also in that draft was Pau Gasol and uh, Tony Parker. <laughs> Oh yeah, well you know I wasn't uh, familiar with either with them. They they came from they came from overseas. Um, Gasol was I think Gasol ended up at Memphis or yes, in Memphis. Memphis. 
And uh, Tony Parker, you know his story. But um, he's a professional ball player. And, oh, I see you looked up your stats today, huh? You, 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 you pulled one out on me, didn't you? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. That, that, was, uh, that was a good one. Kwame Brown, Kwame Brown, you know, he couldn't take that pressure from Michael. Nah. It, it, you know, I'm just saying, if he treated him that way. And it's interesting, maybe that... Maybe Michael's attitude works better when you're around somebody every day as a player than, you know, as an executive. Maybe that works more. I don't know. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a rough time. That was a rough time, Mark. They had, uh, I think they had Richard Hamilton down there. They had a few players down there that, that just didn't work out with Michael. Yeah, Jerry Stackhouse. Right, right, right. They had a few players down there that just didn't, just, just didn't work out with Mike. This was, this was a perfect fit, and it, this was a perfect fit for Mike, and uh, it couldn't and it couldn't be duplicated no nowhere else. No, it couldn't be. No, Reggie Reggie Miller knew how to push his butt. He had Mike swinging. Reggie Mike punched Reggie in the face on that on, on that video I see. Then Reggie pushed. Oh, that was a, that was a that was a great that was a great matchup. Those, those, that was a great matchup. Like Reggie said, he didn't back down. He wasn't scared. He wasn't scared, man. He earned Mike respect. I, I bet you that much. You called him Black Jesus. Did did people yeah. did yeah. people around you at the time refer to Michael Jordan as Black Jesus? Black Jesus and a black cat. He also called. <laughs> all right, all right. Now what I now, what did you say about did the people around you or you did you ever refer to Michael or people that you were around during that time ever call Michael Black Jesus? Was that a thing or was that just a Reggie thing? That was just a Reggie thing. That's just a Reggie thing, man. That's just Reggie thing. <laughs> he just thought Jordan, man. You know, he was just Air Jordan, man. You know? He just Air Jordan. Um, it's, 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 not, it's not really a famous shot, but in this college game against Georgetown, I'm not talking about the buzzer beater shot that he hit. Uh, I noticed him. He came down the court, and he did a left-hand finger roll high off the glass and I just and that shot right there I would never forget that shot that was to me that was one of the biggest shots of that of that championship game to me and uh and first you know what I said who is this guy because he was just playing baseball up until then man but he started showing his flashing and uh man he took he took he took he took um he took this game to another level after that but but I noticed I noticed him he was playing quiet I was a big James Worthy fan. James Worthy was the man. But but in that championship game, Mike stepped up and made some big shot. Big shot. I guess that I guess that was his coming out party, basically. Now, something that I found interesting was before the whole documentary happened, Michael said that he was worried that it would make people feel negatively about him. But I think it's done the exact opposite. I think it's made people realize the competitor he was and how he motivated his teammates. But I will say this. I will go to Scottie Pippen. I think that this documentary has not done Scottie justice because they show a lot of Scottie's worst moments from, you know, the bad back in the finals, the migraine game, uh, the not the deciding to go in uh, after Michael left, not going in the game, like, uh, holding it, uh, getting, uh, and he said he'd do it again. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yes, he did say that. He said he'd do it again. Well, that's that's part of the history. You you can't leave out parts of history, or or, won't, or, or, or we won't we won't get the whole story. And that's the true story. That's what happened. Scotty had to put his big boy pants on, man, and and and, and step up to the plate. Uh. Mike kept it. Mike, Mike, Mike loves Scotty and play. And, but Mike, but Mike pushed Scotty. I, I, I bet some of their, I bet some of their practice matchups were legendary. Seriously, I'm, I'm quite sure Scotty someday. Scotty can play some hell of a defense now. Michael said, Michael said there's 294 people that thought they could check him. That what he told. That what he told um, uh, Scott Burrell. <laughs> <laughs> He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guard you. He said, yeah, two of, if you can do that, there's 294 jobs available for you right now. So they haven't found no one that can guard me yet. <laughs> <laughs> of course Michael would say that. That's uh, well, Mike, Mike had a sharp tongue. Mike had a sharp tongue and a quick, and a quick wit, you know. 
But uh, at at the end at the end of the at the end of the um at the end of the, at the end of the story, he he trusts his teammates. He encouraged his teammates, and at the biggest moment, he at the biggest moment he he uplifted his teammate. He knew he knew when to curse him out and and, and 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 give him a hard time, and he also knew when to talk to him when he needed him, and when he needed him, he didn't want him nervous. Steve Kerr was jumping out of his skin. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he didn't want him nervous. He had him prepared for that moment, man. He had him prepared for that moment. Uh, and sometimes, and sometimes the shots, sometimes the shots fall, and sometimes they don't. John Stockton had a clean look at the rim at the end of the game, but he didn't hit it. He didn't hit it. Didn't hit it. I like I like how Phil Jackson I like how Phil Jackson just stepped in when he had to, but he let his he let his players be he let his players be men. Like like Michael said, you gotta get down with this Zen this Zen thing. <laughs> and and I wanna mention this to you, because I was talking about this earlier in the pod before I had you on, that when my biggest takeaway from the documentary over documentary overall is this: everybody, whether you work or or you've been a part of a sports team, everybody has a role. And, and and my whole problem with Jerry Cross is Jerry Cross is the one person that didn't seem to understand their role. Like Michael's job is to score, Scotty's job is to facilitate and play defense, Steve Kerr's job is to shoot, Dennis Rodman's job is to rebound. Uh, Phil Jackson's job is to do the Zen. Even Tex the winner, his job was to teach the triangle. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf's job was to cut the check. Jerry Krause's job was to continue to build the championship team. He's the one that failed to do their job at the end. Uh, I think um, I think I think Reinsdorf had more to do with it than he admit. And then at the end, at the at the end, he tries to he tries to bring up the that he offers those guys uh, another chance to go for number seven. But too much too much damage had been done and uh too much too many too many hurt hurtful things. And sometimes it's like Phil said, sometimes you just gotta walk away. They 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 they, they I mean in Phil's eyes, but in Michael's eyes they, they had he wanted to go one more time, but I think I think I think that's just a reflection after twenty years uh, uh, down the road because at, at that moment at, at that time man it was it was time to go like Scotty was breaking down they didn't want to pay him you know he he was he was he was he had like a sixty million dollar deal waiting on him in Portland or wherever they was traded to you know uh, a sixty million dollar deal and some change and you see what he you see what he was making uh in, in Chicago his body might not have held up another year. Uh, Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause, um, he know how to he know how to do it. He he was good with the numbers game. He wasn't great as a people person or communicator. He had a short he had a short five foot four man syndrome, you know where <laughs> where you know he he just he he, he tried too hard and and uh, in, in this in this in that, in that day and time you had to have a, you had to have tough skin to. Uh, now, now you gotta watch everything you say. You gotta be politically correct. You gotta, you can't step on no one's toes. Everyone's so damn sensitive, you know. So that era was that era. None of that stuff probably would work now. If he told, if he told Phil Jackson, you, if you, if he told Phil Jackson right before the season that he he was gonna be fired regardless, if he was done regardless if he goes eighty two and zero. Some coaches would have shut down on him. The field just went about his work. Could you imagine? I don't want to bring. This, I was thinking about. Could you imagine? Because everybody knew Kawhi Leonard was going to leave Toronto and try to go to one of the LA teams. Could you imagine if Kawhi Leonard last year told the media, "We can go eighty-two and zero and win the championship. I'm still not coming back to Toronto." <laughs> basically, I mean, basically that's uh, that's what he told him without telling him. But uh, he 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 ends up embracing the place and he liked it he liked it better than he would admit but you know the culture the culture from Canada and, and, and LA is like night and day you know culture from Canada and LA is like it's like night and day you know they can try but but ain't, ain't nothing like uh, you know California man <laughs> Now I do want to go to the flu game, right? So it turned out it turns out that the flu game 
is actually the food poisoning game. It happens in a shady way. Apparently, Michael Jordan's trainer, Tim Grover, is with him, the great Tim Grover. And five dudes come to the house or the apartment or wherever they're staying and give him pizza. The next day, Michael Jordan's sick. Do you buy this? Uh, I didn't know you <laughs> I, I mean, I, I always thought that he was a he was a he was a a one square dude. I know he liked to gamble a little bit and everything, but I didn't know he smoked cigars. I didn't know he smoked cigars and drank beer and did all that stuff. I, I, I that was new. All oh, that was new to me. All oh, that was new to me, man. But uh, I wouldn't me me my opinion on plants with the flu is. Personally, my boss with the flu in my lifetime, I couldn't even get off. The, I couldn't get out the bed, back to the toilet, and back to the bed. So I never believed he had the flu. Twenty years down, or twenty years later, even when the game was going on, I said, "Man, you can't play ball with the flu." Flu poisoning sounds better to me, but that's a serious uh, situation too. But man, it's, I mean. Think it's possible. Think it's possible that. You think it's possible that maybe he just wasn't feeling well, <laughs> and it wasn't either. Oh, man, it, um, like you said though, man, he was. They they they, they said him IV. They, he had some type of virus hit him, or either or either or either was uh, that nasty pizza. But he he had he had IV treatment, and um, yeah, he, he was getting he had IV uh, um going in his arms before the game um to replenish his fluids because he was totally dehydrated. Sounds like a hangover to me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, drinking before. But honestly, this is true. You wouldn't think Michael would be the guy because let's, let's paint the stage here accurately. This is going on in the finals as they're going to play Utah. This isn't like in the preseason. This isn't in the summer. This isn't even in a regular postseason game. This is the finals. And before the finals, Michael's up late at night smoking and drinking. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we just little honor Rodgers and his crew. So, and then and then and then he's out in the middle of a, a, a middle out in the middle of nowhere trying to get a trying to get a sandwich at ten at night. <laughs> at ten at night, and he couldn't even. Find, that's one thing. That's one thing, man. Buffalo Blue, I, I, we, Buffalo Blue, we should have had a franchise, man. I, I, I tried, sorry to change the subject. Um, I come back to you, but and Utah, come on, man, come on, man. It's a, it, it, I, don't, I don't know, man. The fans, he couldn't even take his fans to the game, his his kids to the game because in Utah, because they say the fans were like ridiculous down there. So I wouldn't put nothing past them as far as. I mean, how could you poison a? Just not the flu. Just not the flu. Not the flu. Not the flu. Not the flu. Hell no. Hell no. You can't play ball with the flu. Do you believe that Jerry Sloan actually didn't know Michael had was sick? Whether he had the flu or food poisoning or whatever it was. Do you believe that Jerry you know, Sloan actually... You know, Jerry was drinking pretty heavy back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry was a damn maniac, man. Jerry, Jerry, I don't know. I, I don't know if he was trying to play the dumb role or not, man. But Jerry was drink, drunk, drinking like a fish back then. So maybe he didn't know. <laughs> he was probably all over his damn self. But he he was a... He coached the same way he played. He was, You know, Jerry Sloan was a Chicago Bull when he played. No, I did not know that, actually. Oh, man, yeah, man. Um, late 60s, early 70s, Jerry Sloan and Norm Van Leer, that was the backcourt in, um, in, uh, in Chicago. They had um, Bob Love, Bob Butterbean Love. He's a Hall of Famer. They had Chet Walker. He's a Hall of Famer. But, yeah, they had a decent, they had a decent team uh, and, um, and, um, back then. And he was definitely they, – they both were all defensive guards. Not the strongest offensive guys, both all defensive guys. Uh, Jerry Sloan played defense like uh, Van Fleet from um, from Toronto. I mean, he's all the way up under your jersey. You know, he, he was tough. He was a tough ass player. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he coached, hey, he coached the same way. I don't know. I don't know. Just gave you a little history lesson. I think, I think he went to Evansville College. I'm not sure. Now, a lot was also talked about, about the Steve Kerr shot and Michael's double teamed. He passes it to Steve Kerr. And we also see a guy in John Paxton headshots. How crucial were guys like Paxton and Kerr during the Bulls run? Because I feel like all the time people focus on Michael, Scotty, Horace Grant, Dennis Rodman. But they had very good players that were very good within their role. See, the bomb... The ball, the ball movement and the spacing of the triangle. The ball movement and the spacing of the triangle. Uh, everybody on the wing was at least 10 feet away from each other. No one was tied against each other, and everybody had space. Once you beat your man and you draw the double team, which Michael learned from Magic. He had to learn from Magic. Because no one passed like Magic, and Magic and Bird whooped his ass for years. So he had to learn that. You can't win by yourself, son. You can do you can you can fly high and you can score sixty nine points a game, but you're not gonna win by yourself. So Bill Jackson told him about Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr saw Steve Kerr had a vision of himself for that team. Spot up shooter, create space, draw the double. Chicken, he said, you get five shots a game, you damn well better make them. And that what Steve said? Yes, it is. He said, I get, man, he said, I might get five shots a game, I damn well better make them. But Mike, Mike, Mike will look you off, he won't even give you the ball. But um, uh, Steve Kerr had a beautiful release. But you notice, most guys have beautiful release. Do you know where his release came from? No. Where? He had a hoop in his backyard, man. Who do you know that didn't have a hoop in his backyard that can't shoot the lights out, man? <laughs> he had a hoop in his backyard, man. That's where he played ball at, man. It's just a thing, man. Guys, that's where you develop your shooting. Repetition over and over and over. And he dreamed them shots, man. He had dreamed of those shots, man. And he was kind of off there for a minute. And once it, once his shots started clicking, oh, it was automatic. He, he played, um, Steve Kerr was a decent college ball player. He wasn't highly recruited. But he was a decent, um, college player. I think he played with Sean Elliott in college, I think. He went to Arizona. Yeah, he went to Arizona. I think he played on a Sean Elliott team. But uh, Steve Kerr was a de- decent player. He's definitely an overachiever, huh? He's a, he's a hard, he's a, he's a role player, a role player on a chance, on Multiple championship teams and a Hall of Fame coach. Hey, his dad will be proud of him. And I didn't realize the story about his dad. I thought that was very interesting. I didn't realize that. American University in Beirut. His father, his father, uh, man, you know, it was, you know, out at, at that time, man, that, that was like the beginning of that terrorist stuff and all that crap. And uh, that, that was that was bad, you know, and uh. He and just trying his, to educate people, put, just trying to educate people too, which was the. He put himself in a dangerous position to help other people, man. And uh, I take my hat off to uh, uh, Steve Kerr, man. You know, I, I do, man. I do, man. Because it's because it's because uh, because uh, losing losing it losing it losing a dad, man. You know, that I mean, old age is another is the one thing, but to to a tragedy like that, you know, that's that's uh, that's something else. And him and Michael had something in common that they didn't even know about. They, both of their fathers were, were, were murdered by two damn fools. Yeah. Perfectly, perfectly good guys who left his, who, who were gone too soon because somebody else had a gun. Sad, yes. It, that's sad, man. That's sad, man. 1984, his dad got killed in Beirut, man. That, that, that's sad. And, and, um, I, 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 uh, you didn't ask me the question, but I really, I really like the relationship Mike had with his security team. Those guys were cool, man. Those guys were cool. Yeah, and we can talk about that because particularly yep. the one guy, his main guy had cancer, I believe, and passed away. At least Gus, Gus, passed, Gus passed away. Yeah, Gus let he passed away. But you know, um, the the, the guy with the, the guy with the Jerry with the curly hair, the the, uh, the, the light skinned guy that, that beat him in um, 
Penny? Yeah. Uh, he died last year. I, re- I was reading an article on him. He um he, he just died last year, uh, nineteen thousand nineteen. He, he died from cancer also. But but it's also inter- hey, but it's cool to see when you can see Michael's I guess more humane and personal side. Like these are guys that he doesn't have to be friends with. I mean they're not his teammates, but but it shows a level of you know respect, and, and I and I think that's a good thing to show. Oh man, it seemed like he could be himself around those guys, which which meant a lot because, as you see, he had to keep his image up. You know, I never even know he he cursed more than I do. You know, I, I mean, good grief! I mean, <laughs> I always thought he just was an upstanding guy, no drinking, no smoking, no cursing. Oh, Mike was a beast. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do that around mom, though. I don't think. <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't either. Uh, no, she didn't. She didn't play. She didn't play. Matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, she 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 the one got him to go to Nike. His his, his mother was his mother was a trooper, man, strong woman. She survived a lot. She survived a lot. You know, she she took a serious blow or something her life. But she she survived a, she survived a lot, man. She and she still looks fantastic, man. Oh, she looks great for her. Well, you know what they say: black yeah. don't crack. It sure don't. <laughs> it sure don't because I know. Hey, Michael George, fifty-seven. So isn't it? And, and he and his mother is close to eighty-five. And no, they both look good for their age. They look good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I guess, I guess it don't crack. <laughs> yeah, man, she's she's a beautiful lady, man. I, I, I like, I like her, and uh, and uh, he listen, he he listened to her, and he listened to her, and she she was humble, and she she didn't seem like she didn't even get caught up in the fame. She she. she she stayed down to earth, and I, she seems down to earth to this day. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that um that whole that the the whole um, interaction between him and his family members, the ones that they showed, and uh, you know, I, they let his daughter speak also. No security. Uh, now I do want to ask you this: I, I've heard a couple criticism uh, criticisms about the documentary. And one co- uh, criticism I heard was that they didn't allow Michael's first wife to speak. Uh, personally, to me, that that doesn't matter to me. But but for some people, I guess it does. What do you think about that? Well, uh, that, that might that might have been part of that big hundred seventy million she got. She might can't disclose. You know, she might have a nine nine. Uh, <laughs> that that's true. You know, I mean, he gave her hundred seventy man. You can't you can't write no books. You can't tell no stories. You want this 170? Okay, thank you. Right? I mean, I'm just, I'm just being a, I'm just being, a, I'm just being a lawyer right now, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, no, no, I, I, a, a, a settlement lawyer, you know. Um, he didn't talk about his new kid, or he didn't talk about his new wife or his old wife. That's true. You know, I, 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 I thought about, I thought about that. I thought, I thought about uh, Juanita, why, why she went, uh, why she didn't know, but you know, she, she, and also that relationship ended pretty ugly if I remember correctly so I mean maybe I, I, I don't know uh, yeah you know come on man a guy, a guy like a guy like him he, he was talking he was telling Burrell that he need to stick with one woman how how could he possibly do that I mean I mean he could be he could have a halo on his head but sometimes he just had to flip up they were coming at him from every angle he couldn't even go outside <laughs> Even go outside. Now, what I what I do want to ask you is this: What were the rivalry? What was the rivalry like between Utah and Chicago? Because these are two teams that met in back-to-back finals, and both for six games, and both for competitive six games. A lot of overtime games, a lot of tough, hard-fought games. What do you remember those battles being like? Um. Well, the first time. The first time Utah got in the championship by Dallas Stockton hit a buzzer beater to defeat the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets were the favorite that year. They had Elijah Wine. They had Elijah Wine. They had Clyde Drexler. And they had Charles Barkley. Right, 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 right. And they were the favorites. And then uh, Utah, Utah, Utah beat them in a, in, in um. In a, in a, in a uh, close game, Stockton hit a buzzer beater. Game, I think it was a game six. Uh, Stockton hit a buzzer beater. Um, you know, 
they didn't really have a, a big rivalry because back then teams only they only played each other twice a year. The rivalry was the rivalry actually came through those playoff games. And um, I didn't I didn't see I didn't see um too much pushing and shoving or or extra stuff after the whistle or none of that stuff except Malone and uh, Rodman. But overall, it was just a hard a hard fought fair a good play series and. and Good hard basketball. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see too much verbal back and forth or or fights or or ejections or flagrant fouls or any of that stuff. Good hard basketball, man. And you, and you can see you can see how uh, Dennis Dennis Rodman tripped Carmelo three times up the court. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and the, the, the scores, the scores, um, you know, the scores in those games. Yeah, they they barely man they not 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 a game in that in that final series went over a hundred. Um, I mean, that one the one that the one game they lost by fifty, by ninety six sixty four. I remember that score in uh, that last game, game game six was eighty seven eighty six. <laughs> That's like I mean, those scores just those, those scores just amazed me, man. But the potent offensive force that they had on the court, man, they played some deliver style, slow down basketball. The, not much up tempo basketball. The pace was slow in the score. In the score, I mean, you can tell by the scores of these games here. Um, uh, eighty-five. Game one was eighty-eight, eighty-five. I think. Uh, game three was ninety. Game three, Chicago won ninety-six. Fifty something, and and, and get game one Utah, Utah won game one of that series, and uh that made me that kind of made me nervous. Utah won game one. Now Mike was well against the Lakers. Mike in his first championship they lost game one, but I never remember him losing a game one in the finals in between that time. Uh, they went up. I think they went up three. They, they went up like three to one, and then and, and uh. It was a three. I think they went up in that series three to one, and um, and Robbie, Robbie goes and does a daggone wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, and then explain to me that could never happen now if a player just said, "Hey, just after after a finals game, one of your best players leaves." Yeah, nobody knows where where he is, and then they're watching TV and they see him on WWE Raw SmackDown. <laughs> Now I do have to ask you, and the Carmen Electra stuff. I didn't realize he was dating Carmen Electra. Oh man, she's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> now, now uh, what I do have to ask you: Did Michael Jordan push off at the end of the game? Because he said it wasn't a push off. Uh, uh, super slow motion. You can see in the super slow motion, you can see this guy do uh, just like a little child just moves his ass right out the way. But it was just a subtle nudge. It wasn't. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't an offensive foul. Uh, uh, he, he he said it. He said it, man. In the scouting report, he said Russell guides me on his toes. If I if I sit him going lateral, he will lose his balance. Do you remember he said that early in uh, um uh a uh, game uh ninety seven series? Yes. He said Russell guides me on his toes. If he's up on his toes. When I when 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 I change direction, his lateral movement is gonna just lead him going one way, and that's exactly what happened. I looked at his footwork and see, and this dude can't guard me, man. I get my high move this way, and he's gone. He gave me the shot report in um in episode nine. Guys on his toes, man. His guys on his toes can't balance. 
he's up on me and he, he can't balance. His lateral movement is not the same. His, heel, his heels are not touching the floor. Uh, hey, hey, Mike called it. He called it. He called it. That's from watching film study, right? Yeah. Gotta be from watching film study. He had me, man, you know, he, 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 he noticed, he noticed little things. He noticed little things. He know how, he know how to move without the ball when he had to. And, oh man, when he drew it, and his pass, his passing ability was underrated, but he grew into the passing. He grew into that. At the end of the game, Phil Jackson, being a great coach that he is, said, I'm not calling a timeout. I want to rise for our situation because if I call a timeout, that'll give them time to think and set up a defense. I want a live ball situation. No timeout. Scotty said, give Mike the ball and get that hell out of the way. <laughs> And then Dennis, Dennis said, I know he was going to shoot that. Jason, Dennis said, I wasn't even going to run up the court. <laughs> man, uh, man, he's not giving it up, man. This, this is his turn. And uh, man, I, I, I like, I like, um, I like how that, I like how that, how that, how that played out, man. He couldn't, so, and, and to me, you know, you know, I know he's about his business and, you know, they offer a percentage of the team and all that. But when he shot, when he shot that shot, man, he should have walked away just like Ali walked. Should have walked away after he beat George Foreman. I mean, no. He, I mean that that the statue of him with his fingers reaching for the goal. His wrist is his wrist is aiming at the rim. He said, "Shot two fingers out of that." He was sitting behind the piano, and he told him, "He said I, I, my shots was coming up short, and I put it out there." And Steve Kirk, Steve Kirk summed it all up, man. He said Mike was a little nervous, though. He said, "Let Steve shoot it." The speech at the end. <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah, man. That that that's 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 it's just it's just history. And uh, I I got I got all ten episodes um, DVR. It's it's just history, and you know, uh, you get when you're when you're a super when you're a fan of a team or an organization. Sometimes you miss out on other things because you so you hate you hate it's like you hate Brady so much. But when you do some film study on Brady, you really respect how he prepares for the game. I I, I was a Laker fan and I and I, I just couldn't get and I just couldn't embrace the Bulls. But I, I would I would I would I was always trying to like I would never say it out loud, but I was rooting against the Bulls a little bit, you know, especially that Indiana series. But um, Utah, I definitely was against Utah. I don't like Utah. I don't like Indiana Hoosiers. Them are two teams that I didn't like. Utah and the Indiana Hoosiers are two teams that I didn't like. Or the Celtics when they're playing the Lakers. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I became a Celtic. I, 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 you know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I should be shamed for this, but when Ray Allen came to the Celtics for one year, for one or two years, I was a Celtics fan. <laughs> one, two years, I was a Celtics fan when they when Ray Allen came there and and uh and one year I actually I, I actually better get the Lakers man because I just knew that I just knew that um I I had no idea that they could beat um the Lakers could beat them to beat our balls and I thought they were a, a powerhouse. It was a, it was a it was um a, a walk down memory lane for me. Um, I'm so passionate about the game, man. I, I love it so much. Uh, I'm, I'm, even at my age, right? Even at my age now, man, I'm, I, I'm passionate for it. The game, I, I can't, I can't watch the game to be quiet. I got it. I mean, I got, I got to, I got to teach somebody. I'm gonna tell someone something. Who's, who's, if you're at the game with me, or you, or you're watching the game with me, I, you know. I watch the game, but I also have different different insight than the average person. I, I think uh, I look at I, I look at different things. You know, some people just look at offense. I look at defense. I look at position. I look at footwork. I look at things that you know that's going to give another player an uh, edge. And uh, that 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 
that I'm sentimental in some way because I'm, I'm, I, um, I love my teammates and, and, uh, when they all said a speech and they all wrote down what they, how they felt about each other and about their team. And they put them, and they and they put those, and they put all those poems, all those messages in a in a book, in a book, and they burned the book and set everything on fire. That's the way you close the book, man. This is our secret society. These words are between us; they will never be shared with anyone else. This no. is our this is our secret society, and and that that. that Now, what I do have to ask you is this, and this is my last question for you, and Michael kind of seemed a little salty about it. Michael believes that they could have gone for four straight, seven and nine years it would have been. Do you think they could have gotten a seventh championship ring, or do you think that the fire was already burning out? Just like I said, man, when they put those papers in that bucket, and they burnt those papers in that bucket, I think he did. But they also at the end of the, at the end of the episode, they they also said that Dennis <laughs> Rodman only played thirty five more games for the rest of his career. So, the, but I, I tell you, I tell you, I just made a statement. But I can re, I'm, I'm not going to retract my statement. But when I rewind this tape for the last time. And the silent season was a strike short of season. Spreewell, I think Spreewell and the Knicks played the Spurs. Correct. And the, the Spurs won. Yes. Spreewell and the Knicks couldn't have beat that Bulls team. Yeah. But like I said, Phil might probably would have been gone. But Spreewell and the Knicks and Charlie Ward, they couldn't have beat that Bulls team. Kuko would have had to change his role because I don't, I don't know if Scotty was going to accept that short money anymore. <laughs> Kuko was going to have to change his role and become Scotty Pippen. I don't know if he could do that. <laughs> but um, I'd say if Phil, was, if Phil would have stayed there, he would have won. But they could have beat that Knicks team. They definitely could have beat that Spurs team. But the Spurs came out with the twin towers with Robinson and Duncan, and that, that, was, a, that was a powerful combination. But, but I think um, I, I, I think uh, they were. I think they rolled the bus to the wheels fell off. Uh, I think that. I think that. I think that might have been. I think that might have been it. One, one of those pieces of that puzzle would have been missing the following year, and and it, and it wouldn't have been the same. You know, the marriage was the marriage was good. You know, but at the end, man, you know, we won the game. The food was good, but we just don't get along. That was it. That's true. Zach, I want to thank Phil you. For- said, Phil said, and I, I'll leave you with this one. Phil said, they said, could we have won seven? Phil said, it's time to go. 
right? Yeah. Bill said, it's time to go. Put things to rest. Thanks for the moments. Enjoy the past. Lit the candle and burnt the can, and it, and it was over. And the Michael Jordan said, it all started with a hope. And that's how it ended. It all started with a hope, man. Wow. You know what? It's amazing how I can remember some of these things that I can't remember. And I can huh, this is Sports, man, just bring out my memory, man. <laughs> you know, I, and, and um, my friends listen to us on the show, man. And my people listen to us on the show. And my son listens to us on the show. And, man, they they they, they think, man, we should, we might be a hell of a combination one day. I just got to keep, I just got to stay, I just got to keep up with you, man. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Uh, I'd love to. We'd be a dangerous combination if we got in front of the camera. Oh, man. Hey, hey. I love, I love. I love to see it. Zach, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man. When you hit the big time, don't forget to call me, man. You, you, you on the way, man. You on the way, man. You don't have to worry about cutting grass no more. Somebody cut the grass for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is an inside joke. I'll see you later, man. I got you. I got you. <laughs> and once again, I want to thank Mr. Zach for coming on the podcast. Always appreciate it. And thanks again for tuning into this episode, the 158th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.